Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. How is your neighborhood? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Skype was just asking me if I wanted to get on the Bing Copilot waitlist. Microsoft is all hip now, huh? Yeah, like Microsoft wants to help me with my Skype chats in real time. Yeah. That's going to be cool. Yeah, it'll suggest topics and make us more witty and... uh, yeah. Totally, like I'll never freeze for an idea, thought, a yeah, we're, concept, or even in doing a sentence where you're like, "What's the name of that movie?" and it, it already shows. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'll just be thinking it. And our know. our brain capacity has increased four hundred percent. So right now, like, yeah, enjoy the this mediocre version of the podcast because it's about to get amped by AI. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you know about podcasts has changed. <laughs> Yeah. I know this is I mean we're not going to talk about AI again but it's been a crazy few weeks for AI I think like uh yeah I don't know if you watched all the demos this week No I've been systematically Microsoft, reducing Google, Khan news. Academy yeah. GPT-4 Oh man I feel so happy I, I mean we're doing a podcast right now but I've deleted almost all podcasts and I feel a lot better Mm, from my yeah, feed. I had to delete them. My phone, for some reason, like downloads podcasts until it's full. Like it's like addicted to podcasts. Like mm, and then and then it's like I'm hungry. out of data, and I was like, why are you downloading the Red Scare? <laughs> <laughs> That's some shade right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you're a secret Red Scare listener. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't think I so. tried it, and it uh, and I tried. Uh, a bunch of different sort of hipster podcasts like new models and rescue from every side of the political spectrum and i taper off it's uh yeah mm. and, and again like last episode i was like i'm really just exhausted by the topics of power mm-hmm. i find it very uninteresting yeah so today we're going to talk about Friendly neighborhoods. Well, we're going to talk or, about or our unfriendly ones. Yeah, our neighborhoods. Because I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely curious. Uh, you, you came into a new town with no friends, and then with physical health problems, and wh- mm. and and also you came from a maybe for our listeners who just jumped in haven't heard all the wonderful episodes before. I doubt there. I doubt it. It's pretty much a diminishing number of people who are listening. So I think everyone knows. I don't. <laughs> right, yeah, ahead. I don't look at the stats, so I'm not sure. But um, you grew up in Toronto, or not? Or outside I of did. Toronto? I did. I did grow up in Toronto. Yeah, in the middle of the in the inner city. In the inner, oh. inner city youth, and um, you grew up there, and you lived there your whole life, or you also lived? Yeah, you studied outside. But the times that you lived in Canada, you were always in Toronto. Yeah, until recently, I moved to Calgary. But your experience yeah. of of Canada was home is the city and your school is in the city and then you have a cabin that that's the lifestyle so yeah far. most canadians live in cities and then some of them you know have recreational kind of weekends in the in the in the woods and such yeah the, pri- well, the privileged pigs <laughs> yeah well it used to be like less privileged i think you're right now though what about uh you in the netherlands where did you grow up uh yeah we moved around a bunch so it was born in Amsterdam, and then age five we moved to The Hague, and then age ten I moved to Maastricht, and and then eighteen I went to The Hague to art school, then back to Maastricht, just different spots. But but was it like suburbs or city or what is, uh, is it all city? It's is all city, but a city? it's yeah. city. But Maastricht is a, is this I don't know if it's a city. It's one hundred twenty thousand people, but. European cities always have that thing where it's built around an old marketplace and everything mm-hmm. you can walk to or, or use a bicycle. So it definitely doesn't feel suburban. It's not, 
the the、mm. suburbs to me when I saw that in the U.S. was like a new environment that I'd only known from not even from movies. Not that many movies take place in the suburbs. It was really more from photos of despair. Like the, to me, that the suburbs was like dystopian. But would you、um, get in a car to go to the center, or would you walk? No,、uh, the bicycle. So the whole thing growing up in the Netherlands, like, I think age eight or nine, you your parents let you go wherever you want to go, and this、mm. whole idea of your parents taking you to soccer practice or piano, you do everything yourself. So you're you're pretty independent early on, and a bunch of friends were living in the same neighborhood, and we would, like age twelve, you go to. It's a combo of middle school and high school, and I had three or four friends, and every morning we rode our bikes together. It's about fifteen minutes,、mm-hmm. um, but you're pretty free. It, 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 I keep thinking about the U.S. being very unfree, especially、mm-hmm. for for children. But a fifteen minute bike ride is pretty ideal. You get over fifteen minutes, and oh, there goes my phone, and it gets a little bit too much, right? Yeah, but so to say, did I grow up, grow up in a suburb or in a city? Like it's not really a city, but, but it was a residential neighborhood. Yeah, but it's all one urban environment from a center、mm-hmm. outward. It's not the like there's a highway in between neighborhoods, and that's、yeah. very American. I don't know if that's the same in Canada. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, that, that's similar.、Um, I think also in when I think of Europe, I think because I've spent a lot of time in Germany, I think of all of these like you know six story buildings, and everyone lives in an apartment. But did you live in a detached house? Or a house of some kind. It, it was a house at at the end of a, of a block, so we were at the corner,、uh, mm-hmm. with a, a yard in the front and in the back. And, okay. And、uh, pretty like upper middle class, nice,、uh, comfortable uh, thing. Yeah. And I had a pretty big room, and、um, yeah, and it was the kind of neighborhood where our back door was always open. I didn't have a key, and、uh, mm. um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's I think、uh, it's hard to explain to our listeners in North America because it's. No, it's very common in Canada th- to leave your door unlocked. I'm just、way. saying it. it like, I think、mm-hmm. in in the U.S., where you grow up and and what part of town says a lot about income and all these things. And I don't think I was very class conscious. It was just everybody had a sort of a house. Either you're in the middle of the block or at the corner, and certain number of rooms and. Mm-hmm. It was well. What you、yeah. what you just described though is interesting, right? Like you know, because、um, you know, not locking your door is one of the first kind of steps towards trusting your neighbors, right? Yeah. But like, I think what you're starting to describe is like、um, you felt like you were part of a neighborhood where you weren't afraid that you were free. You were out on your own as a child, like riding your bike with your friends. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember being in Germany at DLD, and I was walking around with a bunch of Americans and.、Uh, Germany has pretty good urban planning,、mm-hmm. and I was just like, we tend to think so dystopian. And I was like, guys, look around. This is about as good as humans can organize something and living. Like this is as good as it gets. Don't don't think like we're going to create paradise. Like this is the goal. Like <laughs> there's no war. You can go to the grocery store. The, the, the rain doesn't、yeah. go in your house. It's a good life. Like. And and stop thinking in either dystopia or utopia. Think like, okay, this. This is pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, Americans have started to catch on because apparently there's like a a movement because because Europe's cheaper now to live in than the United States because of housing costs. So yeah, Americans are starting to figure this out and move to Europe. And they're like, 
it's like amazing. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's a bit like uh, when you choose a cell phone plan and it's like, well, this one mm. has free international data. Uh, this one has unlimited texting. And then if you can... This one has fantastic croissants. Yeah. yeah. So if, yeah. if you compare the plans, it's like, well, the people are a bit more rude, but the healthcare is only a hundred bucks a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. And deal. I don't have to tip, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, as far as the neighborhood, it was just... When I speak to Americans, a lot of them speak fondly of having a car as a teenager and that that felt very liberating. And I, yeah, I Kristen, think... Yeah. That was big for Kristen. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't. I, no, I still don't have a driver's license. So to me, the idea of my friends all living within three minutes walk and just walking over and saying like, hey, let's go do something. That feels mm-hmm. like freedom. And to others, having a car feels like freedom. So. Well, I've stopped uh, driving since my eye, uh, my eye health issue. And it's been very freeing. Like I walk everywhere. And uh, Kristen's been driving and, and kind of complaining and stressed. And I'm like, you know, you should walk. We, and anyway, last night we finally did walk downtown to like but, a bar. But in together. Toronto, you, you walk more uh, on average? Like it, your groceries? We were a little bit closer to the center. Yeah. But we're not, honestly, we're not for much further here. It's just like the scale of the city is um, different. It's like a different vibe. Mm-hmm. So you have to walk through like more residential neighborhoods. and st- Like we're not right in the commercial district. Like in Toronto, we're kind of in amidst like towers and stuff but here we're in a residential neighborhood with homes and, and, and things are like you that. spending the summer in toronto yeah we should go back to toronto in the summer uh, um for three months or something yeah something like that yeah so that'll be uh, it'll be interesting I, I think i want to use this episode as a barometer or like a measuring point or what your data point of how you feel about calgary and then when you go back to toronto mm. It'll could we do the same? Could we do the same with you in New York? Because I know you've thought about going back to Europe a few times, right? Yeah, Europe, Schmurup. <laughs> <laughs> you just were telling me that was the that was the no, living I life. Think it's, the best. I think it's a great place if you have a normal life with kids and a normal job. I think employees are treated better, but I'm not an employee, so mm. you need that edgy New York life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mm. I just like paying extra. Well, I think yeah, that's why a lot of people move here is because. It's it's a nicer place to raise a family. Calgary has the highest quality standard of life in North America. Um, And a lot of that has to do with like economic uh, circumstance, but also like schools and healthcare and all the things that a family needs to thrive, which is often how these indices are like. Well, yeah, to me, it's just New York is very entertaining, mostly because of all the friends and the the, Mm -hmm. the like. There's so many openings and events and lectures and concerts and it's just fun. I always found when I was in New York, not everyone went to the openings though. Like they would go to specific openings, but not to every. Yeah, but the because there's so many. At, at least for me now, like I'll have lunch with friends maybe four times mm-hmm. a week. Yeah. And uh, there's that's amazing. One or two or three night events per week. Some, I have to say that's yeah. kind of my barometer for when I'm feeling good is when. I can like in Toronto, uh, in my neighborhood, I can walk down the street and run into someone and they'll be like, let's get a coffee or yeah. let's have lunch. Yeah. And there's like more, it's a more casual culture. It took me, I mean, it's a little bougie that I have friends that kind of, that I can just bump into all over the city. Why but is it's that? Also because I, no, but that's weird because the fact that you consider that to be a luxury when that is a fundamental human... It feels like something we should have in every Yeah, right? but it's, it, it, it feels like saying, oh yeah, having a family is a luxury, and that shouldn't be. 
Like, I know, but I think in major cities now, like um, the idea that uh, that you would know everyone around you, it, like there's a certain. But you don't know everyone, but the, the, there's yeah. there's the example of people in North America moving for a job, and you move to Boston, yeah. and then you move to Phoenix, and then you move to, and and yeah. you have to start all over with, and that's kind of the situation. No, I mean in. I love it. So like even you know last night I went out in Calgary, and I was with some people who grew up here, um, and they ran into people at the bar that they knew, and I was like, I love that running into someone at a bar or restaurant or in the street. I think there's no greater feeling of belonging than like you know, that, that like accidental connection that happens. But then there's also, walking down the yeah, street. there's also the thing, if you, some friends of mine who are in Amsterdam who run into too many people and they're like, oh, I love it when mm, I travel I and I can just sit in a coffee shop for hours and not gossip and just focus. Yeah. Well, that, that's where for a lot of artists who live in cities, I think the opening is either loathed or loved, right? It's loathed yeah. if like, oh, I don't want to run into Susan, you know? Yeah. Uh, or oh, Timothy's going to be there. <laughs> By the way, the, neither of those people I have any uh, hate for. Like, but the, my, <laughs> when you think back of your Toronto apartment, yeah, it, it, do you think you could never go back to uh, a small apartment after living in such a large house? I jumped back there just before things, you know, went south, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is tiny! How did I do this?" Um, yeah. because like you can't walk through without hitting your you know, hips and knees on furniture and stuff. It's it's, it's pretty 60 cramped. square meters. It's I, in feet. It's six hundred and fifty square yeah. feet, or just under that. Just like something like sixty-five square me- meters. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty like small. That. If it's also your daily workspace. Yeah, so it was both of our workspace and where we slept, and you know, like I tried having parties there, and it was literally impossible. Like mm. just because, and so there. We had started to strip away, which I think you do in cities, right? Like if you live in Japan, you're not going to have a house party. <laughs> no, but uh, right? yeah, I mean, our place is pretty big now. And we had a sandwich. We, we made tea and sandwiches. That, uh, That's nice. Two weeks yeah, ago. I think you've got a great layout in your place. Though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have to remove the living room to get to what you have. Uh, or the, di- oh, yeah, there's just no but way. I definitely have a couple of friends who moved away from New York and then came back and they're like, oh, we had all this stuff that we were just taking care of and all the belongings were driving us crazy and I'm so happy to mm. be back in a small apartment. But I think that's the thing. So I would spend as much time as I could getting out. Um, and I think that's one reason a small apartment doesn't matter in a big city because there's lots of reasons to make the city your living room, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, going to the park was, you know, something I would do every day. Here, um, I'm walking, uh, uh, trying to walk every day, but I think it's a little bit different. What's, um, what's your step count? I don't know what it is. It's probably around 4,000 or something, 3,000. Yeah, those are rookie numbers. I've had 10,000 in my lifetime. Yeah. I know that's the high point for most people, but uh, it's been a while since I've been around that 10K mark. <laughs> <laughs> what's your step count? Well, let's see the average for the year I can check right? Well, I mean right now it's zero because I've been working it's, all day yeah but for the year that's a better met- I think it's 12,000 okay yeah so I, I try to just uh, get groceries further away or stuff like that just to get the steps well that's funny right because that's yeah. like you, you have the convenience and you're well and there's there's it. some specialty stores that are further so then I go there mm-hmm 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing an average of 4,738 steps. Yeah. You got to get that higher. That's this week. Yeah, but when I when I stay uh, in the suburbs with the Christina's parents, the step count is like seven hundred. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. That's not not nothing. That's not enough at all. No, yeah, that's, that's like uh, going to the bathroom and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's like cities like Miami. I don't know if you you know. I know you're thinking of moving to Miami, but um, I found that like everything was like a basically a highway. Like you had to yeah, get in your car. Yeah, it's a lot of concrete. Mm-hmm. I don't know why there's not cute surfer towns in florida that like with little shacks and a beach feel and a, yeah okay but let's nail down this neighborhood concept because what is in your neighborhood that makes it a neighborhood like because we, we keep saying neighborhood as oh. if it means something one of the the reasons this feels like a neighborhood is that there's a a large uh diversity in age and background and people who've lived here for a long time so mm-hmm. Of course, any neighborhood is a neighborhood. You can't judge and say, if people live there and it's only expats, it's not considered a neighborhood. But to me, mm. it feels more authentic because there's people here from all walks of life and people that have been here for a long time. And like multi-generational. Yeah, and that gives it a, a very different feeling than... You have Hudson Yards, it's this new development that mm-hmm. I think... We went to the shed, you remember? Yeah. Yeah, and so that whole neighborhood just feels like a giant financial scheme. <laughs> and it, of course that's a neighborhood as well. It's it's semantics. You can't say if you don't like a yeah. neighborhood it's not a neighborhood. But yeah. it definitely feels more like an airport. It's people come and go and uh, yeah. So there's like kind of a concept of like age or patina that makes a neighborhood feel more like a neighborhood to you versus something that's crafted in the image of a real neighborhood. Yeah, well, the, the, simulacra of neighborhood. Yeah, there's 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 a, a longer timeline, and uh, I guess, mm-hmm. but I think it's very difficult to create uh, a charming neighborhood out of thin air, just to build mm-hmm. something immediate in, in it immediately. And, like, is your neighborhood are the houses? I guess everything in Canada's nothing's more than six months old or something. No, I grew up, so the neighborhood I grew up in in Toronto was all uh, Victorian brick homes that were over a hundred mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's a unique But where you but are now in Calgary? Where I'm in Calgary now, I'm in, like, a neighborhood that's a mix of, like, old bungalows and then these, like, modern builds. But th- and the modern builds stretch back to this home was one of the first in the neighborhood. It's recognized among everyone in the neighborhood as, like, ahead of its time. It was built as the first flat-roofed modern home in the neighborhood. So a lot of the bungalows started to get and torn when, down when and replaced. And when was it built? In 1996. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say 68 or something. <laughs> no. So there is some like nice, really nice uh, mid-century modern kind of bungalows or ranch yeah. kind of homes in the area. Um, but it doesn't go further back than the 60s. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Calgary that's is amazing. A, yeah. a newer city. I mean, right? it, that's interesting to me because I grew up... You're asking me, did I grow up in a neighborhood or in a city? Mm-hmm. But... All the houses where I grew up were from 1850 or older. There are a f- there are a few homes like that, but it, I would say yeah. like it's. But a I think if in most European towns, it's not it's not exotic to live in a building that was. That's yeah, yeah. exactly. Or, um, or and here at least actually maybe the, like, the house where you're in is new, but but the city center will always be. It goes well. The big the big difference back. versus Toronto is here. There's a lot of people tearing down and building new homes. Yeah, which. Uh, it's kind of un- Japanese, uh, 
yeah, there, there is like a little bit of that. It's fun. It's kind of it, that was like at first exciting for me, and it's interesting to watch. But there, like, there are three houses under construction that I can see from my front porch, but they're tearing down these kind of smaller post-war bungalows that would have been like you know working people's homes and they're building these like kind of huge modernist kind of weird things some of them are really hideous some are like you know like mm, that's kind of cool we bought ours because it was a real architect and it really does have architectural features that stand out and it's got old trees in the front to your point like trees seem to make a big difference mm. to me in a neighborhood but then um, if i imagine yeah. the place that we vacationed in the um, mm-hmm. in Quebec that was yeah. n- not close to a city it was definitely a place where you you had to have a car there was nothing you could do on foot that's true and yeah. we had but, no awareness of the neighbors how is it similar where you are now that you can't see your neighbors no 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 we just had our neighbors over the other day okay. and I can I, I'm, I'm attached to a, another neighbor and yeah yeah there's a neighborhood here for sure because I guess that's what makes a neighborhood is knowing your neighbors yeah, but I growing up in Toronto, it's interesting because we knew our neighbors, but like as children, um, and then actually, let me go. Let me refer to being in a condo because you, you've you're living in an apartment, but I lived in a condo in downtown Toronto just as long as I lived in a house, so like independently. And I remember I lived next door to my brother. Like my brother moved in to the unit next door to me, mm-hmm. and when was this? I saw him. This is like in two thousand and six. He was there for a few years with me. Um, that's when I first moved out. In, I moved back from Syracuse. But I, I remember I only would see him like once every three months. <laughs> yeah. And he was really like like insistent that he needed his privacy. And honestly, I didn't make as big an effort as I should have. Like we had busy lives. But I always found that to be weird, right? Like imagine you lived next door to your parents yeah. or your sister. Um, and you didn't really like go over and say hi very often it's but a condo will do that it's interesting because we've been talking about a neighborhood in the physical sense but then social media is a neighborhood as well and twitter feels different than discord feels different than instagram and they all feel Mm -hmm. like different neighborhoods but do you remember that episode of seinfeld where kramer replaces his front door with a screen porch door yeah (laughs) and he sits in a rocking chair he's trying to create like the american he's always like that episode where he puts all the photos of the neighbors downstairs so everybody knows each other's name and right 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 i think a lot of the building like these tall towers and stuff kind of dehumanize uh the concept of a neighborhood a vertical neighborhood doesn't really exist but is that true No, I mean, there's an exception, I feel like, uh, in some of these early modernist um, complexes, like in London, there's like um, the uh, Barbican Center. Yeah. And that has a real neighborhood vibe, almost like... Well, yeah, but also back to technology, in in our building, uh, there's a WhatsApp group and it really brings people together where someone's Mm. like, hey, I have an issue with the oven. Does anyone else have it? And and like, oh, come over. I'll show you how to fix it. It's okay. It lowers the barrier for certain things. And and I'm I'm trying to tie this to technology, but I really feel like... uh, No, that's really interesting because like I had this job early on, I think I've mentioned as a research assistant on telework, but we also studied in that lab, uh, this like sociology lab. This was like in the 90s. We also studied like community forums specifically for neighborhoods. Mm, yeah. And that these were like 
ways in suburban neighborhoods actually to bring people together because of your point earlier, which is like you're too far bunch away of new from people each move, other. Yeah. Well, yeah, and also a bunch of new people in a new place. They have no connection to like there's no yeah. multi linear you know generation. So there's, yeah, there's the positive spin and the negative spin. Where mm. in our building we have a WhatsApp group. It's it's communal and helpful. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite of that is the app called Citizen, where you just see crimes happening around your neighborhood. Oh, God. Which I never installed it. Like, why would I want to know? But at the beginning of COVID, we had some friends who moved to the suburbs. They had kids. They're like, that's it. We're out of the city. It's 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 a cesspool. <laughs> and there's this thing that happens when you move to the suburbs that I call suburban paranoia. And you, you mm-hmm. become conservative. You think everybody's scary, You etc. Yeah. And so they downloaded the Citizen app and were looking at our neighborhood and started texting us screenshots. And it's like, oh, my God, are you okay? There's a trash can on fire around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's that thing where you you start watching Fox News and you think everyone is your enemy. And uh, yeah. Yeah, Kristen won't let us get like a video doorbell because she's like, why do we need it? Like, you know, it's just going to create a sense of like hostility because a lot of these, the data gets shared with police. And it increases anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's the opposite of leaving your door open. It's like, hey, don't even get near this door because I've got a video <laughs> camera on you. I got a fl- um, remote flamethrower. Yeah, I think like growing up, I had a slightly different experience though um, with neighborhood because uh, one of my sister's best friends ended up being you know kind of murdered, and it was kind a of famous Casey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was I like a half. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't feel hundred percent comfortable talking about it just because. Well, you, you brought know, it respect. up. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, it really changed the dynamic in our home. Yeah. But you don't have because, to talk about it. No, no, no. But I mean, like we weren't, we used to go out, we lived in, across the street from a park. We used to go out into the park freely, but then it was like, no, you don't go out into the park, right? Like you like yeah, stay Yeah, we inside. never had that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think sometimes cities and right now cities, from what I hear in some American cities, especially are going through these like kind of the inner city getting the pandemic really tore things up in terms of like, um, I you know, the, wonder the how much of that is stuff. true. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. No, I just these like 10 cities and stuff because there's just not enough shelter investment and more people need help and like it's, drug addiction. It's is through so the roof. weird. I remember, do you remember 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, everyone was talking about the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, the, the, mm-hmm. the new growing economies. And they would become more like Europe, like they would be more prosperous and egalitarian, yeah, less corrupt. The opposite way. America became more like Brazil than like Europe. Yeah. It, it seems to be, especially from what I hear in California. And yeah, talk Same about thing is in Vancouver too, actually. And so I don't think Canada's uh, exclusive. I think it's too cold here in Calgary or something. I have to get more involved in understanding. But it's not like I was just reading in the New York Times this morning about Phoenix, Arizona and like. How the tent city there has, you know, become this enormous complex, and it's there's it's a there's a lot of it's you know it a lot of people are in trouble, and yeah, yeah. so that's a different. But they they were still building neighborhoods within this like complex. It was kind well, of I, I know that in article. in uh, in Brazil, the the favelas they call I don't know what the English word is. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's the term we use. In, yeah, uh, but they started out with cardboard and uh, just go to an area where nobody is and you just build a structure. But over time, they became they got some bricks and then they got they they would just improvise, like take the power line and move it to the neighborhood. And uh, it, yeah, and over time, it became structured neighborhoods. And now there's even gentrification of some of those neighborhoods where they upgrade everything. So it's humans mm. figure stuff out. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think in Canada, not to make this a political thing, but um, there's just like not enough construction of new homes. And so like... that's the, But it's it's the same in the Netherlands. It's weird. It's like the, there's a housing shortage, but I think it's too expensive to build for uh, low income housing. And uh. Well, what I think is interesting in the United States when you're there is that like there are there are massive cities like Detroit is like one of the world's largest geographic area, urban areas. Right. But it's largely there's a large, large sections of it, obviously, that are on, you know, uninhabited. So there's not enough jobs to sustain yeah and so like you know but all those people have moved to places like the south right remember there was a huge migration pattern south that was what everyone always talked about well someone talked about that that it was the proliferation of air conditioning like Mm -hmm. ac was invented a while ago but it's only recent that it's in every house and every mall and every school and so people have moved south because air conditioning keeps getting better but like these macro migrations in the United States seem like part of the original ethos of like going west, you know, like go, yeah. you know, if you're having trouble, just keep going west and the dust bowl and like, you know, the dreams shatter. <laughs> it's like I almost think it's not part of the American dream, but part of the American nightmare. <laughs> I don't know. It's a I, I, it's very interesting. Well, like yeah. people who live in Canada kind of like easily poke fun, but, the, but it's a it's a complicated system. Well, it's it's definitely when we talk about neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Growing up in a neighborhood, you never thought that your friends would move. Like I just had the same friends. I moved a bunch, but most people didn't move. And so well, the, the idea that Americans just pack up and leave for a job, let's go. It, and I and see. like you move from your grandma, you move from your aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. There's more mobility and the geographic distances are Yeah, longer. but but that mobility also is very tough mm-hmm. on kids, I think, if you just keep moving. Kristen grew up in a really great neighborhood in in Silver Spring, Maryland, um where all the neighbors come over all the time with like baked goods mm. and stuff and they all help each other out. Yeah. And uh, you know, they have house parties together. I think that for me Well, this is the I thing it's that, always like you read New York Times and you think everything's terrible and then you ask Kristen and she's like, "Oh, it was great." No, I think it's a high watermark. And then when I visited her for the, her family there for the first time, I was like, what is this? Is this like Leave it to Beaver I'm watching here? Like it was very, um, it was almost idyllic yeah. in a way that yeah. I didn't, I had never experienced. Because in Toronto, well, we're a little colder. the New York Times doesn't like to write about things that go well. <laughs> That's for sure. But regardless of that, like... Like um, newsflash, there's a report going on. There's a great neighborhood party. People are friendly <laughs> and the baked goods were really nice and people left yeah. on time and had a good night's sleep that that article yeah. will not get a lot of clicks well calgary has this reputation of being friendlier than toronto and vancouver vancouver is considered the least friendly city in canada and so i think the neighborhood vibe here is the strongest i've felt um but then i have friends in toronto that you know have have pretty good connections but, but you don't feel and... converted where you're like oh i love calgary i could never go back to toronto people are so awful no not, yeah. yet, not really yeah yeah not yet um, but I am like meeting people and I think, you know, folks are generally, it seems like they don't have plans all the time. You know how like in some big cities you like call up people and they're like, no, I've got plans uh, like maybe three, in weeks, three weeks. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, last it, night I, it, I was like, I called someone in the same day. They're yeah. like, let's go out, you know. So. I, I ran, I was just, uh, what was I doing? I, I, w- I went to get a matcha tea at Kettle, this specialty. I recommend it. It's on the Bowery if people are in New York. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking around with my matcha and I ran into a friend because I don't follow anyone on social media. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, uh, my partner has an opening tonight. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. I'll... And then my other friend who I always run with, uh, Marco from Dis Magazine, 
we see each other often, so I text him like, "You want to go to this opening?" And his car is in the same parking garage as mine. So it's it's really a neighborhood feel in that sense. Like that's great. What yeah. I mean is, the friend that I ran into is from the Netherlands but lives in Berlin. Yeah. The friend who I run with uh, lives really close to me, but is from Spain. We're all from different places, but we're a community that we mm-hmm. we all have. We all lived in Berlin for a while. We all are connected to post-internet. So that's our neighborhood. Like, the mm-hmm. neighborhood is also a state of mind and is a, a, a group of people. And yeah, that's another so you're way not of, like, of you're not likely to like, you're not likely to want to disrupt that. Like, I think you're probably committed to that. To yeah. And, and, that and for example, what you now call generative art, like the whole community around art blocks or effects hash and that type of, that's a different neighborhood. And I, I run into them in New mm. York, but, I also have a couple of friends from that community in the Netherlands. Yeah. So I consider that a neighborhood as well. So there's kind of a confluence of like, um, you know, interests and like, you know, uh, people who can help you or that you might help. Shared interest. Yeah. Shared, so I, yeah. I feel like if you're parenting and you live in the suburbs and everybody has the similar needs, then mm, that's your community. That's a good point. Yeah. Because like the kid, we all have kids. We all need to find daycare. Yeah, yeah, oh, can yeah. You sit, you, can you take a look? You know, watch so and so while I go to the pharmacy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, we, this is not we, like I mean, a family th- there's like a video be. art neighborhood, and then there's a critical art mm-hmm. theory neighborhood. There's a efflux is a neighborhood, or a media art is a neighborhood, and yeah. Yeah, maybe that's why I said like bougie earlier, because it's like the neighborhood in Toronto I lived in was like wealthy tech professionals <laughs> yeah yeah like, yeah you know young uh, like ac- you know academic professionals and well the wealthy tech thing definitely feels like uh that's and, the next stage of most cities now i mean i i'm I, like honestly i was warning someone about it here because um, they grew up here and i was like mm, i've seen a lot of like i've seen this clearly play out before <laughs> Well, also, it was like, I saw, you know, I've been seeing, like, really young men walk into, like, really gorgeous homes around my neighborhood, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think this is normal. I think I'm you guys have got to watch Patagonia out. Vest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, like, corpware and, like, tech drip and mm-hmm. <laughs> or a lot of Tesla tactical charges. gear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of Tesla charges, yeah. yeah. Extension cords strewn across. I, I'd watch out. Yeah. Um, the neighborhood might go south from here. But that's also like one of the things that happens is neighborhoods do transition from time to time. Yeah. I mean, and, it, it, um, it definitely feels like when uh, tech bros arrive, the odds of a new music genre being born in that neighborhood are much lower. Mm. That's like your number one litmus test is the amount of new music being... Like, <laughs> no, but, but you could say like hip-hop was born in the Bronx. But the, the creative and, energy and hip, of that Hip-hop space. was not born in Silicon Valley. Like, no, no, that's a good point. I think the other good point is like ultimately artists typically, and it's a boring point, but it's worth bringing up. Um, artists typically move into a cheaper area, yeah. Um, and then like gentrification follows. And the reason for that is it becomes a place people want to be. But why do they want to be there? Well, there's like shows happening, bars open, restaurants Attractive don't open. And it's like suddenly it's Friday and Saturday nights are all happening around that area. And yeah. Everyone wants to be there, and then they have kids, and they're like, "Whoa, this place is unsafe!" And then they move to another <laughs> place. Um, so there's this kind of like cycle that happens. The, I, in Toronto, it happened pretty aggressively uh, over a short period of time. So I think it became a political issue. But um, that's why I said I think that's also why I was kind of like referring to that language. But do uh, you because, do you think Calgary has the same potential of of uh, 
that kind of accumulation of that profession or is is there not enough it's just a much bigger area though like but is it's it is almost it almost as um, large as LA if you're working in software do you think Calgary is going to be a hub oh yeah that's what they're pushing for so the difference in Canada versus the United States, I would say, is that the government basically subsidizes everything until it's successful, and but never really successful on its own, and that's a problem, right? So it's like just up until a point, <laughs> whereas America is very, very much survival of the fittest. Like people move in, they survival take survival of the fittest. Yeah, or well, they exploit an opportunity, right? And then that opportunity, they like, and then they scale it. You know, exploit, then scale, exploit, then scale, and so the waves in the pool are just way bigger in the United States, I think. Mm, yeah, yeah. And here it's kind of like, like a little wading pool with tiny little ripples, <laughs> you know, kind of going through it. So, um, Toronto is exceptionally different because in Vancouver, because the amount of immigration into the cities was a hundred thousand people a year. That's a large amount. And of that's migration. always when you're by the coast. It, well, it, Toronto's nowhere near the coast. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's like a, 10 hours from the coast minimum. Oh, wow. I, um, why did so, I think Toronto was pretty stupid? Because that's how people refer to it. They refer to it as the east of the The New York the of Canada. Yeah. But it's actually a form of regional kind of racism because the Maritimes, uh, which is like the actual Canadian coast, it is poor and fishing kind of industrial area. Typically. Oh, it hasn't been... Uh, there hasn't sprung up new towns that have become... It's kind of starting to happen, but because of people from Toronto, like yeah. moving there and, you know, which is not a good sign too. like pushing the locals out and rising, you know, is pushing it, is up, it, up housing. Prices why is it that the East Coast, that there are not big cities in Canada on the East Coast? Like a lot of, water? yeah, I think um, a lot of it has to do with farmland and uh, weather. And so is it too cold there. Well, it's too rocky. And so oh, okay. most of Canada's you can't inhabit because there's not like land that you could grow food on to, to grow a city from. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And Toronto just happens to be close to like a large amount of farmland. It's very flat. Yeah. And say, so, you know, so all the cities except for Vancouver, which is just there for, I think it's a port city. Right. Um, but you're right. Like why didn't Halifax become a larger city or there's. Um, I never understood why the coastal area of new york like in, in brooklyn the the rockaways and um mm-hmm. why that's not more why that's the not center? the prime spot it, usually in a town that like malibu because of protected harbors i think right no i don't know yeah it's weird mm. anyway um back to the neighborhood like i'm curious though what your routine you mentioned running yeah and i i run with my friend uh, twice a week and i go to so Kokoron is this restaurant that you've been to, but they have a little small place now that is their test kitchen. So they have weekly specials, and I think I'm there three, four times a week and hang wow. out with them. Um, I, and do you I, not I, get sick of the food, or is it just no? Because they have thing? different dishes all the time, and and oh. and soda can be there, so I bring her. Yeah. Um, so that's part of my neighborhood feeling. Having a local is really important, I think, but to then, the neighborhood. You know, I used to live in Mott Street, and there's this place called De Paolo's. Uh, it's an old ham and cheese Italian store, specialty store. It's been there for 120 years, and it has that neighborhood feel and the heritage. And the, like, Scorsese used to go there with his parents, mm, and and mm. and it, it's very dear to me. But there's another cheese shop 
next door, or a few few doors down, and they just had to close. They they couldn't make the back rent from COVID, and uh, oh. and then the, the, I was there when they heard about it. They were really upset, and they're like, "Yeah, this neighborhood is like an organism, and every time one of those old time stores disappears, it's really bad for the whole." And uh, they were mm-hmm. very upset about it. And what what comes in its place is, it's just the 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 sad thing about corporations being too efficient and they're like yeah well we can pay that rent and we can write it off mm-hmm. and uh yeah yeah and i mean it, I, I, that's really a you, bummer yeah but i suppose that those businesses replaced older businesses but you're making a point that the things that that seem to work now in scale aren't necessarily the mom and pop kind of no and it's also the the things that make a, a neighborhood unique in, in the sense that it's different from other places in the world Mm-hmm. But if everything is a sweet green, then it really doesn't matter if you're in Toronto or in Berlin or mm, whatever. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, like, and there are these neighborhoods, especially like, you know, newer neighborhoods and, you know, even in cities where they're putting up condos and stuff and they like tear down all the local original businesses and uh, put up towers. And then the, the businesses that move in are like you said, you know, Chipotle and yeah, and then Starbucks. back to the idea of tech bros. That maybe they move around a lot for their jobs, and then mm-hmm. if they have franchise restaurants, they're familiar and they already have the app. They don't have to stand in line; they can order it, and it, it all I makes to, sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Does the term "greasy spoon"? Ma- do yeah. you know that term? Yeah. Okay. I was like, is that a regional thing? But because um, you don't hear that in Europe, no one says. No, greasy but spoon. for European listeners, it, it it's kind of like a, a low end diner neighborhoody. It, it it's something that's kind of disappearing. So I started. I mean, the also year. people like to eat healthier. So not everybody wants to have a burger for breakfast. Sure, but I started the year um, going to a diner every week because I wanted to find a local in Calgary. Pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to like the most famous one here is like a truck stop um, kind of place, and like there are literal like trucks parked. I, I like stuff. how you you basically found a moral uh, excuse for eating unhealthy food. <laughs> It's true. But I, I mean, what I was when I was in my 20s, especially, I loved, love, love these certain greasy spoons in Toronto. In specific, there's specific cuisine in Toronto that you can't get anywhere else at, at greasy spoons, like pea meal bacon sandwiches and stuff like that. And they all disappeared, though, like over a 10 year span, to your point. Like and they, they got replaced kind of, by avocado toast. Exactly. Yeah. Like the rent became too high to sell eggs for two bucks or whatever. Right. So, well, I think in New York now it's the next stage where a lot of nice restaurants are replaced by even more expensive ones. And it's all the tasting menu. And so what happens is you have to make a reservation and it's already decided what you're eating. So it's very Mm -hmm. efficient for the restaurant. They know what ingredients they have to buy. Mm. You eat more than you want. That the whole idea of a tasting menu is like an extreme amount of food, so they can mm-hmm. upsell you. And the the real estate is so expensive that that's what restaurants have to do. They have to charge three, four hundred bucks for a meal, which is very different from like if you live in Paris. Like the idea of a bistro is like you know an like a low cost hangout yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. And, uh, which I, can, I guess not just in france but across all of europe but i'd say in the uk it's like a pub well right? that, that's what how i see that cocoron place it's like a bistro with like a weekly dish and mm-hmm. you know you know the people and you chat a bit and yeah that's what i'm looking for like I, so i'll say i haven't found that yet uh here in calgary well, in yeah terms of and this is something that is interesting because we're both working from home you didn't used to work from home before but 
when you mm -hmm. work from home, at least for me, having the, the lunch outside is very important. Otherwise, you just you make a sandwich and you eat it behind your computer and you're like, you're hard. Totally. Yeah. No, I go for a walk every day for that reason. But I'm often I'm finding going to the, like the there's like a local grocery store that I go to. But that's it's a neighborhood grocery store. But I don't think that's enough. Like I need to find I need to find a Kokoron. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, definitely a big part of this neighborhood is um, all the restaurants and things that are nearby and that a mm. lot of people sh have to go downtown once a week. So I have friends who live in Brooklyn, but if I ask them to have lunch around my neighborhood, it's never an issue. What what occurs to me is like neighborhood and habits are intertwined, like a yeah. routine yeah. and, you know, is part of making a place feel um, like a neighborhood and, and feel connected to it. And, and also yeah. to our listeners to, make it not sound too decadent like I eat out all the time. I, I stopped or I, I hardly ever do dinner in restaurants because it's almost like double the mm, price. More People spend yeah. a lot on booze and you have to split the bill and I don't drink alcohol. And I'm, so I, I just love having lunch with friends and I eat dinner at home. That's really uh, my thing. Mm. I mean, life I, hack. Yeah, of course I have dinner with people every now and then, but I much prefer lunch. So, but for you to be in a, like in New York, you have this like, well, yeah. There's probably a hundred restaurants that, and no. then you found the one. Right? Yeah, but it's funny talking about the neighborhood. It, um, our neighborhood is a bit further from any subway. Mm -hmm. It's like a 10 minute walk to the F train. And where I used to live yeah. in Mott Street was a hub. So I was on Canal Street and every line was there. I could walk to the ACE, the one, two, three, yeah. the four, five, six. And when, I, when we moved here, I'm like, oh, that's a bummer that I'm further from the subway. But it's actually. There's not a lot of tourists in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things uh, that gives it the neighborhood feel. One thing that's different about New York neighborhoods, though, is like the bodega. Um, yeah, I don't you know, care for it, bodegas. <laughs> I, I think they're absolutely disgusting. Yeah. But like, I've always good been, in a bodega. It's, I've all, always been it's curious. all sodas and egg and cheese sandwiches with too much old grease and they smell okay. bad. Well, no. that's a refreshing to hear because I've often um, talked to New Yorkers and I've asked like, hey, how come there are like no grocery stores in New York? It's almost like a food desert. And no, I'm we told, have a like, lot well, of grocery bodegas. stores. We, we have um, one grocery store nearby, a really two minute walk is called Fine Fair and it's kind of expensive. It's one of those off brand ones, but... Mm -hmm. What's interesting about it is there's a lot of different um, minority groups in my neighborhood or ethnic groups. So they have a large kosher section. They have a large Indian section. They have a large right. uh, Puerto Rican, uh, South American section. Yeah. So you can get a lot of weird peppers. If Like Christina's making tacos today. And you they have such a variety of any kind of dry bean that you mm -hmm. wouldn't find at Trader Joe's. See, because you're starting to describe like um, if you think back to the origin of cities, like the idea was the markets formed outside the yeah. castle walls. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And like and the idea was everything came from all the surrounding regions and landed in that spot. So it was like a it was like a centrifuge of it's a cross a cross section of different roads. Yeah. 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 And, and but that being said, the, the fine fair, the, the grocery store right here, we don't go as often. And the Trader Joe's is maybe half the price and a lot of things are quite good. But then mm -hmm. and then a little bit further walk, there's a, a food hall, the Essex market. It's a it kind of expensive, but they have a good fish market and the, some specialty things. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit further is Little Italy. So there's a pasta store and there's De Paolo's and things like that. 
Yeah. So you can run a few errands, make dinner, have lunch with friends. But, but what's go interesting about this whole conversation, when I lived in Moth Street, our place was so tiny, I was out of the house most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I would go to a lot of neighborhoods, but nowadays I'm at home more and I'm in the neighborhood more. And so everyone comes to this neighborhood. That's interesting. Yeah. I think the other thing I'd like is just crossing my mind is like whether your routine would compare to say like, you know, some artists that were living in Soho in the 1980s. Uh, well, one of the like... things that uh, Magda from Postmasters told me when they started the gallery, they were in Soho and all the artists were five minute walk from the gallery. That was mm-hmm. normal. And nowadays, like some are in Wyoming because they make big sculptures some people are in the Bronx, some people are in Harlem, some people are far away in Brooklyn, some people are upstate, and some people are in other countries. So the internet creates such a... Uh, the geographics are all over the place. It's very different. Yeah, I mean, that like because you used to also want to live near your work, right? And that would be true for artists as well, yeah. live near the gallery. I'm actually like, one of the things I'm hyped about is like, I'm on the board of directors of a gallery here, and it's a 15-minute walk from my house. So like... I've been walking to board meetings, going to shows, but like, that's a big thing for me in quality of life is like, can I walk to art? Like, um, and I think in New York, you know, you're always within a subway ride, uh, 30 minutes. Yeah. And and of course, um, I mean, I definitely, when I moved to New York, I was like, I really want to live in the middle of everything. So I arrived and a friend of mine was moving out of an apartment in Brooklyn Heights and it was just Mm -hmm. one subway stop from... Uh, downtown really and it would have been double the floor space for the same rent but i was like no i want to be in the middle of the middle mm-hmm. even though it's it was 28 square meters and we lived there for seven years so it, yeah um that's how it was crazy i mean having visited it several times <laughs> yeah. i thought but i was I, li- visiting like a little elf's house yeah or but i was like i just want to be in, and, and i have zero regrets uh no, I know, yeah. but I was always astonished that but you could make it work. There. That's how I cared about the neighborhood feel. Like I just, mm-hmm. I, I know, for example, with openings, I'm kind of hesitant. Should I go? Should I not go? And then mm-hmm. just the fact that I was—that's why you live there. Yeah. yeah, and it it just lowers the barrier. It's it's the same. Like if you want to eat healthier, make sure your fridge is stocked with healthy food. Yeah. 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 The barrier for me is like even if I have to get on public transportation, that. Uh, already is too much of a barrier i want to walk yeah like, but I, I don't know why that's such a th- an important thing to me but, but that's important of course coming to new york in the beginning i met people who lived here who were like at the far end of brooklyn living with six roommates without a door between the rooms and right. they would like, still go to the openings they would still do yeah. it so of course we sound very privileged and spoiled and uh, well, no, I mean, I'm, we've been optimizing this game for like 20 years. That's <laughs> yeah. all we're saying, right? Like, so yeah. we're at that like point <laughs> where like, you know, you make certain decisions and like the decisions I have are I have to be within walking distance of the city center because to your point, like things still do cluster in the center, right? Yeah. Like you could live in like, you know, the far reaches of Brooklyn or Queens or the Bronx and they'll, you'll have a neighborhood vibe, but um, you might be missing art or like you might be missing a uh, special, like a, yeah. a specific kind of restaurant or cuisine or something. And so I still think the centers are usually like the most dynamic. Now, sometimes they're getting, they're getting bougier and bougier. And that's what we were talking about where it's like just chains. And so yeah, that's a real estate equation. It's really fascinating. Cause I, when I moved here, um, 
I started this new job in Vancouver and there are a bunch of people who are remote workers for the same company and they all live within two blocks of where I bought my house. Mm. So, and I asked one of them like, well, how is this possible? Like that everyone lives in this area. And they said, it's simple. We, I drew concentric circles from like the center of the city. And there were really only like two or three neighborhoods that were walking distance that you could live in. Mm. Um, and because I'm working from home to your point, right? Like I want to be able to get out and into the city and stuff like that. So the, you keep hearing that people have like taken up remote work and are living in the countryside, but I just, I, do you, do you know where any people have done that? Who have like moved out into the middle of nowhere and are working remotely? It seems well, like a I, I, I life. do know someone who, uh, moved from Los Angeles to a smaller town where his dad used to live and he inherited a house or something, mm-hmm. something like that. But he thought, oh, great, the house is paid off and I'm just going to have a very affordable life and I can make art all the time. Mm-hmm. And what happened was he said, well, actually, so they were living in, in Los Angeles doing motion graphics for ad agencies, things like that. And he moved to the house, but he says, the house is paid off, but there's a lot of recurring costs. It's not mm. it's not a free life. And a house is a lot of maintenance. Mm-hmm. And he's like, definitely the jobs... Are, don't come in as much. So it, it even though there's the internet, it's like, oh, it, it's this weird thing. You move away and your the energy is not that. It's, well, you have to network. You know, you have it to might it be different for different people. I don't know, but... Um, no, no, I think you're right. Like, yeah. I, like bumping into people has led to opportunities over and over again in my life, like physical proximity. And they've shown like statistically that there are these geographic kind of clusters of opportunity. And it's why like, you know, and it's also motivation. It's like you you're around interesting things, and then it feels like that's possible. Yeah, I mean, not to make it political again, too, though, but it's also why redlining was such a like horrible, um, you know, policy in the United States. Yeah, like, I don't. Excluding, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, no, it was like explicitly the banks wouldn't lend money yes. to people who lived in certain areas that happened to be black, right? So. Um, but that like the ghettoization of certain areas is a form of control because it like limits opportunity. Yeah. And then you can keep cheap labor. Yeah. That, so like that's something I think about all the time. <laughs> You're like, you just like tweaked my capitalist uh, bone. But like if you ever visit a small town, you'll often notice there's like one factory and you're like, how did that, why is there this one factory here? And it's like, because that way they have, they can exploit the labor of that one town. Right. Like, yeah. and Essentially, everyone works together. They can't escape. There's nowhere else to work. Um, makes perfect sense. But cities are more dynamic, ultimately, right? They're always changing. And that's what I think and, is interesting about what you've shared with me is like you're in your life, you're trying to like reduce the number of things that are changing in your neighborhood. You're like, yeah, trying, you know, that's what you consider a neighborhood is the things that don't change. And one of the things that's interesting to me is the forming of experimental culture. And mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in expensive neighborhoods. Yeah. And no, I was talking to a friend about this last let night. Let me finish, actually. Jeremy. But no, I, I know. I'm interested. No, but in let me finish. Say. Yeah, finish it. Okay. Can I talk? <laughs> yeah, you can talk. Can I talk now? Yeah. Okay, thank you. No, it, one of the things that's interesting to me is that interesting things happen. Like I grew up in a small town in, in the Netherlands, and I would see kind of radical art experiments and performances, but they were unreadable outside of that context. It would happen and they were mm. very interesting at that moment. And then you record them. And, it, and if you would do the same thing in New York, it would resonate more for some reason. And that's the weird tension between 
going somewhere, the, the, the example you had, like moving to the countryside so you have low cost and you could be experimental. But at the same time, if the tree falls and no one hears it. Mm-hmm. So that that's the tension between going well, somewhere so you're not forced yeah. to have a, a crazy day job that's very demanding and all that kind of stuff. Or you can make bigger work, bigger structures because you have the space for it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, the and thing everything was that, being the, connected on the internet, like you can be a SoundCloud rapper and and theory, become a star, even though you're in the countryside, and yeah. So the first the the conversation I was referring to was last night. I was asking someone who grew up here and who works at the art school, like the the college art college, like is there a party house, like an art party house, yeah, or is there an yeah. art house or commune? Because like when you're in art school, it's very common. For a bunch of people to get together because they don't have enough money, but they can rent a whole home or or even yeah. just like move to a neighborhood. And out and everyone... of that necessity is a lot of creative energy. And then, yeah. And then usually there's like shows and weird things that happen in that place. It's like a, it becomes this like creative, energetic cluster. There are famous examples that I've cited on the podcast before in the United States, like Fort Thunder, which came out of RISD, which was a neighbor, also a neighborhood. I mean, it's not a neighborhood, but it was became part of a neighborhood in Rhode Island. But... Uh, in Providence, but I, he was saying, well, there was that here, but like for whatever but the tech reason, bros arrived. no, no, he was like, actually like, it was a bit of a boomer conversation. Cause he was like, well, I think the administration of the school, like is super boring and they like destroyed, you know, the kids willingness to break rules. And then it reminded me when I was at Syracuse, um, the administration there, like the chair of the department and stuff they would like secretly fund us to do like underground parties and stuff. <laughs> but they you know or they would like get a keg for us to do something but what they were trying to do is create like informal you know culture or like spur that on they recognize the value Let's create of, a like, bunch of rebels yeah. well like and i ran a gallery and it was like but the idea is we we're explicitly not tied to the university because it allowed us to do things that the university would otherwise you know yeah be sour about yeah, right yeah, yeah. And so or they would have anyway. to take a position on it. And, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's where a lot of these early like artist communities start with people who are sharing, literally sharing rooms in a house and then like start, you know, yeah, creating I, I space think, I think that. that was the same in Berlin. It's just when young artists have a lot of time and they're in, in proximity mm-hmm. to each other, then there's a lot of exchange of ideas. But in theory, the internet serves that purpose. Now people can discuss things, but I still think it's great to, see people no i mean uh, maybe if we had like you know pre-scripted this podcast that's where we would have ended up we would have talked about like internet neighborhoods and physical neighborhoods and whether there's any difference yeah. because ultimately like people yeah. do turn to internet community when they can't find it like that's what i did like i couldn't find my internet art community we've talked about that before yeah. in toronto and like the art scene was not reflective of my interests, and i was like this sucks you know so but one of the one of the benefits of moving to a place like calgary like if you move to new york and you're like i want to meet some artists they're all too busy and they they don't want to talk to you they're like what's in it for me Mm -hmm. and maybe in calgary everybody's like oh that's exciting you just arrived let me show you my friend's work let's spend some time people have more time they're more welcoming yeah that's what's starting to happen. And then yeah. I'm like starting to get excited about like, you know, starting spaces or like doing series and parties and things. And like, it's a cheaper city. So I feel like it's a little bit easier to push things around. Um, but we'll see. My energy might be like misplaced, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like I'll do the first show and no one will turn up and yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, 
we're gonna have to u- get some user questions soon. That would be yeah. nice. It would be nice to get a yeah. question. I, feel I just checked our, our stats and we had more than 4,000 listens in the last 30 days. So that's not bad. I guess that's okay. It puts yeah. us in like, a, I don't know. I don't know, relatively speaking. Any, I mean, that's been but, our average for like five years. Yeah. Maybe that's just the amount <laughs> Thank of Thank you, loyal listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yes. The, the, we try not to look at the stats. I don't think we're, we're doing this for the, st- yeah. <laughs> the stats. We're trying to just get more regular with but our content. Maybe, maybe a final question. Do you see a different kind of art being made in Calgary than any other place? Um, Would you say I don't there's think a I Calgary know. I don't think, flavor? I don't know it well enough yet. One thing I have noticed is there's kind of like... Um, like a street art meets food vibe here where it's like last night I went to a place called like, um, um, fatso's <laughs> <laughs> and it was like hot dogs and cocktails and stuff. Man, um, uh, Jeremy, you should no, see no, it wasn't, if I hear it, it, greasy it, spoons and it actually wasn't fatso's. fatso's. It was called, it was called tubbies, oh. but it's <laughs> basically the same thing. But the, the mascot was this like kind of caricature and there's like a lot of, um, illustration and then i've found i met the owner and he was a he had gone to the art school and he had run a a hot dog place as a gallery for a while like they showed experimental film and served hot dogs (laughs) (laughs) and they had pinball machines and stuff and i was like that's awesome and the people i was with were like it was awesome this isn't nearly as good because there's like one pinball machine it was kind of adult um but like it seems like at least in this city a lot of creative people end up not being artists they end up doing other things which i don't think that's a bad thing no. it's just something i've noticed yeah um, yeah yeah but it's yeah. not like oh there's a certain style of photography here or a certain kind of performance art or... um i think i'm still i'm still uncovering it there is like some there's some interesting stuff maybe but, we can do uh, a weekly report from calgary yeah yeah, I have to do more survey. I have to go to yeah. more shows. Yeah. So that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm focused on now. That I as long as you don't have back. to take public transportation. Well, there's only like one subway. It's not even a subway. It's like a streetcar subway, yeah. and and there's buses. But you know what the big thing is here is e-scooters. We didn't talk about oh. how they're tearing up neighborhoods, but that's how. Tearing <laughs> uh, <laughs> up the fabric the, of society. It's the only Canadian city where e-scooters are allowed. Okay. So it's like they're everywhere. All right. Have you ever ridden one? one yeah, last question. Have in you, Stockholm. You, we, we rode and one. did you hurt yourself? No, but it was pretty fun. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll try it. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for bearing with us as we learned a little bit more about each other's <laughs> neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, thank you and, for listening well, yeah. and uh, Talk send us you? some questions. Okay. Do we have a field recording, Raf, before we no. go? Oh, no, no I think our fans are... I thought you had eggs boiling. What happened to that? Oh, yeah, but that's mine. I thought we needed an extra. Yeah, let's listen to okay. some eggs boiling. Okay. Because, you, you know, it's like Coke or whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's the special. All right, thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.